It's 4 o'clock on Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yeah, baby. This week, from Hollywood, California, at Create... <laughs> create I was going to say Create Music Studios. Create Music Academy. Oh, yeah. With our guest, Peter Petro. Hello, everybody, and let me bring my levels down. Very healthy You're levels. You're too hot, Michael. I, too hot. I know, and I checked it out before, but I'm so much more robust. We got a uh, lot. Of, we got a lot of people joining us today. We do. Um, hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Ken, Peter, Julie, Made You Look, Richard Charles, Thomas Leary, Andy Gabrish, Peter Harper. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Um, so as I mentioned, I guess I should get back in frame. There I am. Um, I'm a little nervous, as you guys know, when I do remotes. It's like, what could go wrong? But we have a nice, strong signal, um, and everything seems to be rocking. Um, levels are good. New camera with the built-in stereo microphone, so hopefully it sounds great. So last year at the Road Rally, um, Create Music Academy was a sponsor, and... Thanks, guy. I spoke to Peter on the phone, and we got along really well. We had a couple of nice, long conversations. And uh, then after the rally, some of the attendees uh, actually came to Create Music Academy, and the feedback that I got was really, really, really good. So I started snooping around and checking them out online, and Peter and I have had some follow-up conversations. And uh, you guys know I'm a junkie for anything that has to do with the studio and production, engineering, all that stuff. And I... So I reached out to him and said, well, what is it that you guys are doing over here that makes it so different um, than other schools? Because Lord knows there are plenty of other schools out there. But before we get into that, I want, uh, I want to read you something that I read that uh, my research when I was doing it led me to an article in Music Connection magazine in which uh, Doug Fenske, who's the director of education here, said there is a gap between what traditional music schools teach and exactly, or what actually happens in the studio. It involves more than just technical expertise. So that was really what drove me to come down here today. I wanted to learn more about what these guys do, but I wanna know, um, before we really get into it, I wanna know a little bit about you and how this place came about. So why don't you give us a little background on you? Cool, um, so again, my name is Peter Petro. I'm the Director of Admissions for Create Music Academy. Um, so I would say that my journey um, started, I you know, uh, went to USC for both piano and, and percussion. And uh, towards the end of that uh, degree, I really started um, becoming fascinated with how music sort of interacted with the marketplace and why certain kinds of artists and music were successful and um, how that worked. And, and so... Most of my um, roles that I've played in the industry since then have been sort of cracking that code and um, really looking at different ways that, that music is monetized, looking at different ways that artists can become successful. So uh, I've spent time as a journalist at Radio One Records um, and tracked and, and followed a lot of major uh, releases, um, had a chance to speak with a lot of executives that were behind those releases and kind of seeing what was working, um, what was not working. And um, 
then worked in radio promotion itself for a number of years. So basically building marketing and promotion and, and sales campaigns for artists. Um, Handing envelopes with a lot of cash off to <laughs> Not so much. Not so much. But um, a lot of it, a lot of it is um, knowing your audience, regardless of whether that's a, a business industry audience or a fan. Um, knowing and seeing things from their perspective and trying to figure out, um, you know, uh, your music, it, is it solving a problem that, that they need solved? So um, got into that, uh, have done uh, music supervision and um, film scoring, um, taught some, some classes at, at other institutions on radio promotion and um, artist development. Um, I have a, 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 a event series that was wrapped around the TV and uh, film and gaming um, music licensing community that was a showcase for niche styles of music um, and have just really always been um, a part of, of different things that were trying to connect music with a marketplace where, where one could, could make a good living making that music. So it was a natural fit um, for me to end up here. Uh, a, a good friend of mine, Al Machera, who's uh, CEO of Westlake. Um, Westlake Studios. Westlake Studios here, which is a big part of, of the Academy. Um, you know, uh, he and I have known each other for a while and it was uh, sort of uh, a natural extension of what I've been doing for about 20 years now to uh, be a part of uh, what we're doing here at, at Create. So maybe that's a good place to start in terms of where where the Academy comes from. And Yeah, well, uh, give them a little bit of background on Westlake Studios so, because that's such an important part of the, what makes this place different. Right. So, so Westlake... Uh, we actually have two locations, Westlake Recording Studios. Um, both of those locations are in uh, West Hollywood. Uh, long history of uh, popular music that's been recorded here over the years. Probably the most uh, sort of recognizable international name is Michael Jackson, uh, who did the Thriller album and the Bad album and Off the Wall um, at Westlake. And then up through you know, current day, um, we have a lot of clients that are on the radio a lot. Um, the weekend, Rihanna, uh, her current album, uh, Anti, was done pretty much in its entirety at Westlake. Uh, so Westlake is um, a hub of very mainstream music production. Um, and every day, it's, whether it's EDM or it's uh, pop or it's R&B or it's hip hop, uh, it's, we sort of live and breathe in that uh, constantly. And so the idea behind the Academy was really to translate the things that we're seeing that are really working on those hit records that are actually things people can do without necessarily renting out a really expensive room and having the best gear in the world. What, what are the things that you can do as an independent, uh, whether it's um, you know mostly in your computer or whether it's using certain select pieces of gear to emulate that professionalism and sounding current and sounding polished and sounding competitive so that you can keep up and you can start to make a better living at the music you're creating. So the whole concept was really pulling from the best things we see at Westlake that, that we can show you how to do um, yourself. Uh, I, I was speaking to Doug Fenske before we started today's show and 
he said, you know, we, we do something here, we can do something here that other schools don't do, and that's infuse, uh, we're a working studio, so we can infuse that, that ethos, and uh, he and I were talking about when I started in the industry, and also when he started in the industry, there's a beauty in being under the roof with other like-minded people every day. You're learning from them, they're, they're learning from you, very collaborative. Most of the people that are watching the show today are homebound studio people, and they learn a lot of what they learn by watching YouTube videos or being on Gear Sluts or other forums. A lot of the information that I see out there, it's like the guy who speaks the loudest is the one that everybody believes, and I read some of this stuff and go, that's not true. Uh, but people believe them, so I think they're getting you know, some good information, obviously, and some bad information. But I think that it's really cool that you guys are bringing this wisdom of the ages of an active, working, world-class facility to the people. And Doug pointed out that you don't call your students students, you call them producers. Um, right. I guess that's to elevate their mindset to, you know, I, I, I am a producer, I need to think like a producer and be a producer. And I think that's really cool. So in my observation, Songwriters and artists fall loosely into three categories, and I don't, I don't want to get angry from everybody saying, oh, you left out a category here, but I've noticed that category one, I would say, are passionate hobbyists who love to write songs on an acoustic guitar or a keyboard, and, and then they get stuck at the, I don't know how to produce a, a competitive recording level. They just, they freeze. Maybe they start out with GarageBand, maybe they're recording this stuff right into their laptop, right. um, just as a guitar vocal, but they get stuck because they don't have the musical, technical, and production chops they need to take their song all the way to completion. Then you have intermediate people who are pretty darn good um, songwriters, and they've got a good workable home studio, but they're frustrated that they still don't have that pro sound. And so I want to talk in a minute about what that pro sound is. And then finally, in the third group, we've got these seriously committed people, and, and I know several taxi members who've become friends of mine over the years. These guys are hardcore. Um, they live it, they breathe it, they do it full-time, they um, don't necessarily have a lot of expensive gear. Sometimes I'm shocked by how little gear they have. But even with the technical stuff that they've learned, their end product, even they would admit that their end product is still missing that elusive thing, that, uh, you know, they, that magical fairy dust thing that makes their music sound not just like a record, but a hit record. So. Do my observations line up with what you've noticed as far as, as the people who come here to create, that they fall into categories, kind of beginning, intermediate, and experience, and they all still find a reason to come here and learn? Yeah, I, I, I think that's um, that does fall in line with uh, certainly the people that are coming to us and that are interested um, in improving their production shops. That's absolutely the case. Um, I think that probably the easiest way for me to explain uh, those three categories and, and maybe how they play out here is we, we happen to have uh, four individual courses um, that touch upon kind of almost a 360 degree pass of what happens uh, at Westlake as far as how one um, should, let's say, uh, approach production to be efficient and professional. Um, the first course is called Initiate. Um, and that's labeled that way and constructed that way for a reason. So it's giving you a very good um, 
sort of big picture on uh, the typical ways that music is monetized uh, when it's produced uh, that, that may or may not be completely obvious even to people that are uh, have quite a bit of experience in the industry. You're getting into the um, more advanced ways of looking at arranging music. You're looking at some of the theory behind what makes hits more or less likely to become successful. So that particular course, for the most part, if you have some background in theory, if you have a little bit of background on an instrument, if you love the idea of making more competitive mainstream caliber music, that first course is probably pretty accessible for any of those three categories. Um, and we do have a lot of people that they might be in their late teens, they might be in their early 20s, uh, they might be sort of exploring um, the idea of producing music, and that's a great place for them to start. Uh, we definitely have a lot of people that have uh, you know, some very strong records under their belt and some things that they've done that and are they coming. they come here as well? Yeah, we have wow. people that, um, you know, have worked here, have worked in Nashville, uh, have, have done a lot of writing, uh, have done a lot of uh, producing over the years. And again, they're probably familiar with Westlake. They're probably familiar with the legacy of Westlake. And they know that um, if that's their bread and butter uh, and they're able to polish that, and make it um, a more uh, professional version of what they're doing. If they're doing it well, if they can do it really, really well, they can raise their rates, they're getting better syncs, they're getting better fees, um, they're able to work with uh, precisely the kinds of artists that they want to work with, and they're getting on the project that they want to do. Uh, and we have, yeah, we have people in all three of those categories. So I think um, there's something here for everybody, um, and we also have people that will uh, drop into specific courses to kind of work on specific skills they may need, uh, for example, mixing, or for example, vocal production, things like that. So how do you help that person who's like that level one beginner, I hate to use the word beginner, but somebody who's that passionate hobbyist that wants to break out of that prison, and mm -hmm. it is like a prison um, where they feel like they're trapped maybe not musically or creatively, but they're trapped by their ability to get something on tape, as it were. How do you help them? What is it, uh, I mean, do you have, do you initiate the, that's the, like the first level program, does that specifically show them how to graduate from using some very basic recording software to a higher level? Um, yeah. Uh, it gets into one of the things that I think really distinguishes us um, in terms of our philosophy and the spirit of the classes, which comes to uh, the idea that there, there's really two reasons that we created these courses. One is to obviously raise the production value, um, but the other one is to allow you to monetize your music. Um, really, really important to us. It's We're, we're fanatical about that. Um, your ability to monetize what you're creating every day is why we exist. And that's what we want to help you with. So when someone's new, um, I really um, find very rewarding um, whether someone is a prospective student here or they're, they're currently a student or they've already graduated, um, getting a sense of what I call the, you know, if there are 20 sort of lanes of, of revenue that one can make in music right now, um, identifying what those lanes are for a beginner is really important understanding what it means to have your hook bought 
if you're going to write a song and that hook is bought by a larger artist and it's used on their record, that's a big deal. That could be a great goal for you. Understanding how to get a song that might be placed on a certain kind of project. Understanding how to have multiple arrangements of a song um, so it's more likely to be monetized in different ways. So it so, could be that, uh, sorry to interrupt, but the person who comes in, you know, I'm a singer-songwriter, I play acoustic guitar, and that's about it. Um, they could potentially be a great top liner. So is that one of the lanes right. that you identify for them? And by the end of the course, they're going, shoot, you know, I, I thought that I needed to learn all this other right. stuff, but now you've got them focused on being a top liner because that's what they're naturally talented at and help them develop it? Yeah, I mean, again, I think one of the best things you can try and accomplish if you're a, quote, beginner and you're trying to get a lay of the land is um, not only just the skills and technical parts of, of production, but, you know, where's the money at the end of this exercise? Uh, if you're doing it as a hobbyist, that's great, and we can certainly sort of uh, help you make better music just for the sake of music. Um, but really, the, the, the spirit of these courses is to help you sustain yourself and, and do well. So step one is know what those lanes are. Step give two, me, give us some examples of lanes. Top, top lining is a great example. So if you're going to be writing um, you know, melody and lyrics, um, whether you're going to be doing something for your own records or you're going to be doing something that you might be pitching uh, to A&R teams or um, you know, as part of a songwriting uh, you know, group, um, you, you want to have a sense of that craft versus I, I'm just writing songs that I think are good for me. And understanding arrangement is fundamental to that process. Um, whereas perhaps mixing a record might not be as critical, uh, depending on what, where, where you are in the process and what you're trying to do with it. So give us a couple more lanes. Um, curious about this because in taxi basically we we've kind of got two lanes or three lanes the um, artists when labels are looking for new artists we've got songwriters who are pitching to existing artists on major labels um, and we've got a lot of film and TV people that could either be doing songs for film and TV probably 70% or, or greater are doing um, instrumental cues so our, our lanes are somewhat limited. Give me some more that, that I haven't even thought of that maybe we could be bringing to our members and that you guys are teaching. Right. Well, here you know here's, here's two that come to mind right off the bat. Um, you have uh, people who have a fair amount of experience um, putting music together in any one of those lanes, and they may know something about mixing a record somewhat. Um, if you want to really master um, that particular craft, that's something that you can start to do as a freelancer. And you may not be, depending on where you live and the circumstances of your market, um, you will be able to charge a certain amount of money based on your experience and skills mixing for somebody else. So that may be something that you can add to your mix, so to speak, um, that allows you to, to monetize, right? Um, and it's revenue streams. It's probably not one single stream. Um, another one is is producing. So maybe you're mostly sort of up till now you've been concentrating on making your own music and getting that out there, um, collaborating with someone, whether that means songwriting with somebody, whether that means actually just having an artist come in and, and capturing their ideas, um, is really only a half step removed from you producing your own material. And yet there's a revenue stream there because if you can even get a, a demo or better quality for that person, 
you know, that's, that's worth something. So being able to produce, you don't necessarily have to be, you know, Rick Rubin to call yourself a producer. A producer is someone who can take ideas in someone's head and make them come out of a pair of speakers and um, can do so for a profit is, again, something that we're very um, sort of keyed in on. So if we can help you monetize that passion that you have around how to create music, there's lots of different ways to do it. And with uh, some reasonably professional skills that you can develop fairly quickly, you have all these other ways that you can um, sustain yourself doing, doing what you love. Uh, I find that a lot of our members who make their living solely off of music do exactly what you're talking about. They may teach guitar in the morning for right. three hours, um, do vocal production in the afternoon, do mixing in the early evening, um, and maybe mastering when everybody goes home, and they put it all together and cobble together an income. I really like the fact that... Uh, bye, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Off-screen like, wave. Yeah. I, but I like the fact that you're talking about monetization because um, money is kind of a dirty word to a lot of creative people and they yeah. think, uh, oh no, I do this for the art. And I've been preaching this for you know close to 25 years now. Dude, you can get paid for doing what you love. There doesn't have to, music doesn't have to, I mean money doesn't have to be a dirty word. Getting paid to do something that you love doing that you've developed into a higher level craft. Let's say you're in St. Louis, fairly large American city, um, and you may have a studio. There may be a hundred other studios that are like nice basement studios in St. Louis, and all those people who own those studios are kind of competing at the same level. But I, I see what you're saying. The person who, you know, gets the, takes it to that pro level. Right is the person who's going to stand out and is going to have a waiting list of people to get into their studio versus right. the other. It's the, the creative difference. Um, well, one, of the, uh, one, of the, one of the other sort of game changers that I see um, is vocal production. So if you're doing, obviously if you're doing instrumental cues or if you're doing something that's mostly kind of mood music, placement music, it's not quite as critical. Although you can even do processed vocals and things like that and have that more of a, of a texture than an actual sort of traditional vocal, but vocal production in particular is kind of what uh, often can separate someone who can charge quite a bit more um, or that can really get a much better, uh, you know, offer for the music that they're trying to place. Um, you know, in music that has lyrics, that has a human voice singing, that's what's going to make that song feel believable. And that's what's conveying that message to someone. Uh, and if you can create a vocal performance, if you can create uh, a, a presence in that vocal that is compelling and that is really crisp and that sounds like something that's pretty close to what you're hearing on the radio, that's an unusual skill. How do you teach that? I mean, um, how do you put that on paper and turn it into a curriculum? Because of I learn those things by watching other right. people do it, just being in the room through osmosis and then asking questions. How, right. do, you, how do you... Well, again, that's part of the, uh, the genius that is Doug Fenske, who um, hopefully can pop in here for a second um, and, and speak on some of that. You know, um, so, so Doug, just to sort of um, mention um, where a lot of this comes from, uh, 
Doug has done uh, over 2,000 sessions at Westlake as an engineer, as a producer, as a, as a mixer, and um, has seen a lot of different um, scenarios over the years. So first off, you know, it's coming from a very rich uh, sort of source of examples of what has worked and, and maybe not worked over the years. So that's number one is, you know, where are you pulling your information from? That's number one. Another thing that I really want to um, mention about how much we appreciate what Doug brings to this is, um, you know, it's a very organized step-by-step -step approach that we bring. So a lot of times in music production, you're pulling from something you saw on YouTube, you're pulling from something you saw on a forum, you're hearing something anecdotally, you saw a couple of things when you were in the session last year, and you're trying to sort of piece all this together, but there's no workflow, there's no sort of standard process, and so at the end of the day, it's a lot of jumbled information, and that creates a very inefficient way to express yourself. So conversely, you know, a lot of what the course is designed to do um, is, particularly in vocal production, is to uh, very stepwise show you the different ways um, that one would go about doing this so that it, instead of it taking you know two weeks or two days it might take you two hours to actually complete. Um, there's obviously some software and technology involved you know Melodyne, Autotune, um, all those things that people are probably somewhat familiar with. But it all starts with the performance on the other side of the microphone. Initially, yes. Is that teachable? How to teach somebody on this side of the glass to pull that performance out of somebody on the other side of the glass? Right. So, um, you know, the vast majority of what we're focusing on here um, is, is, is the execution of the craft. So I think from the standpoint of getting a, a great performance out of a vocalist, I think that has to do with you as a person. I think that has to do with uh, a lot of things that you bring to the craft um, personally, and I think the that's, craft of singing or the craft of the vocal production. The, cra the craft of interacting with an artist and okay. and getting that, um, you know, that's almost the equivalent of uh, you know how a director gets a great performance out of an actor. Mm -hmm. uh, some of that's training, but a lot of that, to be truthful, is I think it's um, just sort of how you're able to relate to people and pull that out. That's that's um, I think that's a necessary but not sufficient skill. Um, what we're really focusing on in this component of it is, okay, assuming you have some of that ability to connect with someone creatively and artistically, what is the technology that you need to be proficient in? And how do you use that technology in such a way that you're not overwhelmed by it and you're not intimidated by it and you can capture that lightning in a bottle um, in such a way that it's actually going to sound sound great in in the mix that you have so you could have somebody delivers a, a great performance but it's pitchy right as other technical uh, problems as a vocalist so you're saying that you'll give them the tools to solve those if they capture lightning in the bottle being the great performance don't worry about some crappy notes in there well, yeah, I mean, it starts with, obviously, I mean, again, there's a reason why we have these courses in sequence. So it starts with, is that song working? Is it behaving the way a hit song ought to behave? Uh, 
is the melody the right range for the vocalist? I mean, I know these seem like things that, well, we're talking about the vocal performance. The song has to be behaving uh, correctly to uh, be able to get a great performance. So a lot of the fundamentals have to do with, you know, just like if you're watching a movie and you're directing, well, that script better have been written well. Otherwise, it's going to be a lot harder to get good performances out of the actors. So it's all of that, you know, up through the arrangement of the song, up through, you know, mic selection, um, the different chains that you might consider using for a particular vocalist in a particular style. All of those components, uh, some of which are a little more technical and some of which have to do with just the aesthetics of writing and creating hit songs, are involved. Um, the, the personal talent and uh, charisma and, and other things that you bring, I'm not sure you can teach that. I think that just has to be something that you feel and have had and, and that you bring to the craft. But it's the tools that allow you to articulate and use that uh, instinct that you have. Um, we want to accelerate that and um, sort of make it as, as intuitive and creative and fast uh, as possible. Um, let's talk about the uh, the pro level people, the 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 people that I know as advanced tech taxi members that still don't think their stuff sounds like a hit record does on the radio. Right. There's that elusive last ten percent. Sometimes it's down to one or two percent. Um, do those people come here and, and there's really stuff that you can teach them? It's not just ear training and that's it, what other kinds of things can they learn that can make it sound that much more polished? Yeah, again, um, so uh, I think I think that can probably work in any, the, the sort of the four categories, if you will, that we've um, um, sort of built these courses around are uh, basically arranging, um, sound selection, and building uh, your workstation so that it sounds current and really hot and really professional vocal production and mixing and mastering. So in any of those, we've already had uh, you know producers that have come through as students that have come through to polish one of those things even though they've accomplished quite a bit. Um, you know they it, it, it really it almost you're gonna almost get more out of those courses if you've done uh, some you've accomplished some things and sort of seen some results already in the things that you've built um, because you're going to be able to hear the difference between what you've been doing and and what you're going to be doing you know after we've uh, been able to teach you some things um, some great examples of that are you know uh, again bear in mind it's it's designed around mainstream styles and mainstream production so we're not necessarily teaching you how to get you know um, a great sound out of like a jazz drum set, right? We're doing things that are going to be largely um, in the box oriented, not exclusively, but you know, you're looking at things like how do you get something, uh, you know, if your drum sounds, if you're using 808 sounds, or if you're using samples, how do you get that to sound, whether it's the quality of the sample, of the different, um, you know, things you're applying to that sample, how you're mixing it, how, how you're blending those things in the arrangement. It's you know the difference between close and hit quality is is actually um, it's not very much, but it makes a huge difference mm -hmm. in terms of the results. So um, 
it's almost those are our favorite students in a way uh, are the people that are really close to being able to make maybe twice as much uh, off their tracks and there's just a few things that when you a b if you if you if you're honest enough to to be able to take a song that you've written and then a b it against something that's sort of the top 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 version of that whatever that is um, whatever style you're in and you know um, that can be a very uh, illuminating experience to realize like wow I mean my stuff's good but is it really living up to those sort of uh, top examples in in my particular style see so I go, we're just I, trying to sort of get you up into that level I live with this assumption that people do that all the time but that that's the way I was trained early in my careers a B everything right. I, I will never forget the day that uh, somebody was trying to get a bass sound on a record and they were using Stevie Wonder's inner visions as the model and, and, and they just kept going back and forth back and forth I think it was a Bee Gees record until they got this really almost rubber bandy bass sound out of right. it and uh, it's hard to do when you're when you can't be objective about your own stuff. Um, it's very hard to be honest and say mine's not as good. And it's also hard to work in an isolated situation where you don't have somebody else to go. What do you think? And bounce that off of. So, uh, it, do you guys do that ear training where um, you're listening as a class and, and you've got uh, Doug Fensky kind of guiding people through what they should be listening for to. Right, right. So, so kind of two things come to mind. Um, we have a lot of examples in the first course uh, that are, you know, um, very successful songs and what's really sort of behind those songs, what's going on. Um, so, absolutely, we're sort of reverse engineering um, what we see working every day. The other thing that's really, I think, good to mention is um, we're at a point, I think, in sort of where we are in the music industry where there's everyone has access to all this technology and everyone theoretically can make very professional records um, with you know a very um, surprisingly small amount of gear and software and plugins and things right so the the level um, of speed that you need to be able to um, get your ideas done is um, is so much higher than it was even five or ten years ago so in order to be able to get those sounds that you're shooting for um, you know rather than try and sort of um, reverse engineer things that you like what we're trying to do is train you in the fundamentals of what um, what are the smart ways to create those sounds initially so that even if you're going for a rubber, rubber band sounding bass um, you're you kind of know the more or less best ways to get a good sounding bass quickly and then you're able to customize it which means that y you have the skills to be able to do what you want to do quickly and um, you know just like monetizing sometimes people feel like they have uh, um, a bit of a resistance against that word because it feels that would like be an understatement. you know like <laughs> I don't know I, I'm not really doing this just for the money yeah but you want to be able to sustain yourself um, as much as possible doing what you love speed is another one of those pieces where um, if you can do what you are doing now in half the time your rate just doubled yeah 
Take that guy with the studio that he rents out in St. Louis. Absolutely. It, it, you know, if somebody else is going to spend an hour getting a sound and you can do it in five minutes, you're man, the guy. You're the guy. Yeah. Yeah. So so those things, which are pretty simple ideas, um, can be the difference between, you know, literally you having a much better year next year because you're doing things faster and um, you're delivering you know, five or ten percent more polished product can can make a big difference in your bottom line, your ability to do, um, you know, bigger bigger projects, and, and um, again, do what you love to do. Um, let's stick with the bass part for a minute. Okay. Um, it's a good jumping off point. Uh, other than the technical stuff. Um, I, I know from our conversation the other day that you guys, and this is why I use the word holistic to describe what we're talking about today, because you really do come at it from a very holistic standpoint, not just technical. So, okay, now you've got a good technical beginning. You've got a good bass sound in five minutes because you knew how to set that up from taking class. Um, addressing this, the song's arrangement or something is stupidly simple but oh so often overlooked, the key of the song. You may not get that Stevie Wonder Inner Visions bass sound because you are in the wrong key, mm -hmm. and it's just not possible with the fingers that far up the fretboard to get that kind of bottom that you need. So do you guys talk about that stuff in your classes? Yeah, uh, arrangement is, um, is, is, is like the elephant in the room in terms of trying to get a song to really do what you want it to do. Everybody feels like they get the concepts of, you know, a good arrangement. Um, all I can say about that arrangement course is that, you know, I, there's always a moment, um, you know, an individual course is basically uh, five three-hour classes and then a lot of lab and practice. Um, and there are certain moments in that arrangement course that are light bulb moments, uh, whether you've been doing this for 30 years, literally, uh, or whether maybe you've just started to get into this. Um, to give you an example of, of uh, what, I, what I see in terms of the transformation involved, a lot of it is when you're listening to music now on the radio, or again, if you're listening to some music that you enjoy that's a great example of what you'd like to someday do, you listen a certain way right now. And there are certain things that you're perceiving about what you like about that song and what's working about it. And being able to um, really uh, see through the different components of what makes good arrangement and how that sort of really works, um, all of a sudden you're going to start to hear kind of why that song is behaving the way it did. And... Um, it's it's hard it's it's sort of hard to put into words because a lot of these concepts are things that um, are more advanced ways of looking at things that are somewhat common, right? So uh, I don't expect you to teach the course while I, we're, yeah, we're I, doing the show, I, I, but another, I'm just another, glad that you do another, look at the arrangement. Here's another here's another piece of it that I think someone could walk away with and start applying right away if they're if they're watching this because I'm trying to think of things that you can start doing like tonight if you're working on a song. Okay, so two of the um, sort of general concepts that we look at, and this applies across the board. This applies across the board if you're talking about arranging or how you're going to approach your vocal production or how you're going to mix a record. Um, 
in a, in a movie, when you're watching a movie, there's a kind of a contour to that story. Yeah. Right? There's three acts, typically, in a successful movie that's commercially successful. There's a climax. There's a transformation. There's character development. There's motion um, that's a part of how that story works. And if you don't have that motion, people are just going to check out. So in a song, you have to have you have three and a half minutes to create this contour. So what we it's something that we, we sort of refer to as an energy graph. So you're looking at a song and trying to make sure that there's ups and downs emotionally, texturally, um, thematically maybe, and there's uh, moments of high intensity and moments of low intensity. So a lot of the let's say tools that you're using in production, whether it's, I wonder if we double the chorus at the end, or maybe we start with the post, or maybe we do an outro towards the end, but it's a very tight outro, or those devices, or maybe we're going to stack the vocals on the first chorus and flip it. Whatever you're doing is actually to create that contour, right? It's just more and more tools for, for a basic effect, which is to make that song, for lack of a better term, addictive. You want, when someone presses play, you want it yeah. to be like, oh, man, I just I can't stop listening. Like if you're halfway through a movie that you're into and you're watching the character and you're just, oh, no, he's about to. And then someone says, oh, dude, we got to go to lunch. It's that movie that you go, OK, I got to jump back over here and finish watching that because I'm so invested in that. Right. It's it's how do you get that same emotional effect in music um, that that we're all used to in movies that we love. And so. um Again, part of that concept has to do with this sort of energy graph, creating a contour. The other thing that um, we look at a lot is what kind of amounts to kinetic energy. So, um, you know, again, when you're watching something, you're listening to something, there's always that inertia, right, where people just want to check out. They're always looking for a reason to just be like, okay, I got this. I understand what, what's going on. I'm not really that curious about what happens to the rest of this song. Especially if the music is wallpaper. It's in the background or you're commuting to work. Right. You didn't sit down to listen to that song. Right. So it's it's about creating um, what we refer to as kinetic energy in the song. And again, all of the devices that you're learning in production are, are for a purpose. It's not just to have a bunch of things that you can sort of do. Um, it's, it's creating... A, a, something that a human being when they hear it they're moved to keep listening to it uh, because of tension and release just like in harmony there's kind of production level tension and release that you're creating um, and these are just general concepts and we're kind of using them in context as we're training training you to sort of approach this at a higher level uh, but it's 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 kind of um, it's more advanced ways of probably doing the techniques that you might more or less have heard of or be familiar with, and just using um, using them in a way that makes that song almost impossible to, to turn off. So, with the four courses, can people take them uh, a la carte, or, or do you have to start at point A and work your way up to point Z? Yeah. So we've approached, we've sort of built them so that um, you know some people really just want to come in and learn vocal production, and um, that's of paramount importance to them and especially if they feel like you know that's the one that's going to move the needle for me to be able to um, make more from from what I'm working on in music 
that's what we're probably going to gravitate as far as um, suggesting and, and uh, you know having them take that particular course. You can take them all in series. Um, you can take individual courses. And, and do you interview the people that come here to help them figure out what might be best for them or where they want to start? Yeah, you... pretty extensively. So um, it's it's uh, typically I'm spending uh, you know a total of probably. To be honest with you, probably four hours with someone um, between wow. some conversations on the phone, listening to your music, figuring out what it is you're trying to do, what you have done. Um, you know, that's impressive considering you're the director of admissions and not the instructor that you know enough. Yeah, about so, what goes on in there um, to dig that out of these folks. So let, yeah. let me ask you a question at the road rally. Do you know? Um, you're teaching three classes at the rally? Or yeah, something? we actually have. So Doug is going to be doing three seminars. Our director of education is going to be doing three seminars at the rally. And um, we're hopefully going to be doing something in the um, in the ballroom that might involve some kind of back and forth with reviewing songs and uh, helping you guys get, um, you know, uh, some ideas in terms of how you can apply this stuff directly to the music you're working on. So... so Last year, if I remember correctly, the people that came to create um, found out about it at the road rally, went to a seminar, were enamored with it enough to reach out, contact you, and then they ended up falling in love uh, with what they learned here to the point where they shot me emails about it. One guy actually called. And uh, is there anything that lines up date-wise prior to the rally or after the rally that if somebody who's really committed and wanted to come out in advance of the rally could squeeze in one of the courses or stick around after the rally and do it? Sure. So, um, yeah, as it turns out, um, we we have a cycle of four courses that will be starting uh, November 7th. Um, which is the day after the rally. Which is the day after the rally. Yo, Fenske. Hey. That's all right. You don't have to be quiet. Come on in. <laughs> That's popping in. Um, so yes. grab a, yeah, grab sure. a chair. So, <clears throat> hello, hello. Hey, so everybody. yeah, if, this is Doug Fenske just joined us. He's the uh, the director of education there. Hello, everyone. Oops. So yes, can I get us all in? <laughs> we uh, we do have a series of courses that start um, the week after taxi. So you know, if it happens to work out that um, if you're in town for for taxi and you want to take that first course you can actually do it the following week um, so you know depending on your um, schedule and things like that that first course is more or less something that a, a large uh, percentage of people could probably consider this is the so initiate course initiate yeah and um, I think that's a good sort of no-brainer place to start um, in improving what you're doing in terms of your production so yeah we'd, we'd love to you know I, I gotta say too that uh, the feeling is mutual um, we did have uh, quite a number of um, producers that came through uh, taxi last year and we just they're incredible if you're listening and watching um, we love you guys and we really appreciated what taxi is and the community that you guys have and um, the the level of commitment that you bring to what you're doing so you know we would love to have um, more people from taxi uh, we had a, we had a great experience our Absolutely. best our best and brightest come uh, to the road rally you know um, 
I wish everybody came, but I am happy every year when I take the stage at the very beginning and I look out, uh, I think the ballroom holds 1,000 or 1,100 people, and I know that these are the best and brightest we've got. They, they spent the money to get on a plane, probably 70% of them come from all of, some people come from like South Africa, really yeah. far, far away places. Yep. It's like that is a committed individual. So, um, so anyway, let me introduce Doug Fenske over there on your right, my oh, left. Uh, Doug is the director of education here. Um, also, uh, he and I were just hanging out for half an hour, so he's a, a studio rat, not unlike myself, but a more current <laughs> studio rat. Uh, and yeah, I'm out of the picture now. There I am. Uh, I guess yeah, right. let's right. let's you tighten it up. Yeah. Or yeah. we're good. Arms. Yeah. Arms. All right. Yeah. Come on, team photo. All right. Um, so you come up with. I'm the gonna pop out for just a second. All right. Uh, you come up with with the curriculum. Yes. And you teach the stuff. I do. And uh, the question I asked before, which is what you guys have been asking me for 25 years now, which is, how do I take what I'm doing and, and uh, the magic wand hits me on the head and I get sprinkled with the fairy dust and I go from sounding like. I'm good, I'm knowledgeable, I'm talented, I know my gear, and all of a sudden it sounds like a friggin' hit record. How do you go from really good to awesomely great? How do you teach that? Well, first of all, it's about identifying professional habits and where to where to obtain those professional habits. And you know, as you and I were discussing earlier this afternoon, you know, it's a challenge to find those professional habits on, on sources like YouTube and Gear Sluts and etc. Right. Um, so you know, that's why we've well, we've taken what Westlake has done well for 40 years and boiled it down into a curriculum so that we can teach people the correct way to do things from everything from a composition aspect all the way down to a mastering aspect and everything in between. We like to say that it goes from idea to release and, and, and teaching those professional habits and the professional workflow and techniques, those, that last 5% that takes great creativity and puts just enough, enough craft into it yeah. so that that craft is able to appeal to co commercially. And, and that's what we like to say. We like to say that we teach records for commerce. It's um, like... Uh... Golf, my favorite analogy. You know, there are a lot of people that are really good weekend warriors with golf, sure. but they're not good enough to play the tour. The tour guy is all about the habit. Correct. He's the guy that plays 10, 12 hours a day, may hit the, the same, you know, 20-yard chip shot mm -hmm. hundreds of times in a day. So that he knows it's going to be consistent. So every time he takes out that wedge or every time he takes out that 9-iron, he knows exactly how far he's going to hit it. He knows exactly how much backspin he's going to hit it. And he's going to know it's going to be within a foot of the cup. And you can teach that regarding, you know, in the context of music and production in a course? Yes. And I'm not asking that rhetorically. I'm, well, I'm really well, because, well, this is why. Because, because it's genre neutral. Because, you know, as you guys know, and as I'm sure all of you know, um, the, what's considered pop the foremost subgenre of pop changes all the time, right? Now that being said, you have a large umbrella of that, right? You have organic pop records, you have urban pop records, you have singer-songwriter stuff, you have rock stuff, you have EDM stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So those are your five most foremost subgenres. So, Michael, it's not about personal creativity, right? So I, I would never grade your personal creativity, but I will grade how you apply it to pop formula. Because okay. once your personal creativity is has craft applied to it, it becomes pop. And there's a way to go about teaching that craft. And that's what we do. That's interesting. Because, uh, yeah, I think the first time that our world, and I mean all of us, uh, became aware of this was probably during the grunge era. When you really sure. took a look at those records, you went, man, they were those were some nasty, distorted 
guitars, but the songs were pop songs. Right, because because it was it was formula formula that was applied to it. Yeah. And um, rest in peace, hair bands. We all know that grunge killed the hair bands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but that cycle continued after grunge, right? Because yeah. because after grunge, then hip hop killed grunge, right? And you came out, you had the Tupac and Biggie movement, etc. And after that, the boy bands killed the yeah. boy bands killed hip hop, and then you, then you had in sync and the Backstreet Boys and Britney at the at the forefront. You know, after that was Crunk and Little John and all those guys, and after them it was EDM. And now it's going to be whatever's coming next after EDM. But the same the same application of arrangement and the same application of song duration and the same application of fidelity and et cetera and performance, those have all remained the same regardless of what which one of those subgenres was forefront. It's funny. So many people I know, that, especially in my age category, you know, the middle-agers, um, I hate what I hear on the radio today. And I think a lot of that disdain for the stuff is they're frustrated that they feel like they can't do it. They're still stuck with an acoustic guitar or sure. a piano and they're writing songs, but they don't know the production aspect. And production has become an important part. But they are all you know, at it, songs. But, but all those successful songs, Michael, at their heart, they all have the song in common. Like Quincy, yeah. Quincy Jones says, the song itself is the organic nerve center of the production. Regardless, regardless of which genre you want to you want to produce the record into the core of it the heart of it can still be the the piano or the acoustic guitar but then it can get branched out and go to anything from you know uh, a big david getta record into you know kanye west record or whatever it may be but it's that having that core of that song that you once you have that then you can build it out with with the proper techniques and then it becomes a commercial record one of the things that i see sorely lacking in uh, not just our members but in um, songwriters period homebound songwriters is they haven't yet mastered putting down drum tracks sure and i'm very excited uh, i this is 99.9 percent .9 official but tune tracks is going to be at the rally the people that make easy drummer they're going to be a sponsor this year and they're going to teach some very specific classes about laying down tracks um also, uh, another sponsor is not coming to me right now. Sonoma Wireworks has drum corps, uh, and they're going to teach a, a, a drum class because I think that that's a brick wall for a lot of people. Even if you understand all these other concepts and you yeah. want to learn them and you're hungry for it, if you can't lay down a drum track, you're kind of screwed. So yeah. uh, I'm excited that you guys will be teaching kind of this uh, as i like to say holistic approach mm -hmm. and they could start out on you know the morning of the first day of the rally on friday morning and take a drum track lesson um, uh, class and learn how to lay down drum tracks so now that they're over that hurdle and then they'll be able to take better advantage of what you guys are doing yeah of course when, when you know, it's, um, it's about it's about understanding the fundamental instrumentation of the drums yeah. be it electronic or organic right because you're going to program organic drums differently than you're going to program electronic drums right now that's not to say that either one is better or worse but just understanding the actual the actual pieces of the instrumentation and the rhythms and how they're supposed yeah. to function together that, that's kind of hurdle one I, I think for most people it's going to be drums out of a box these days just sure. because of the physical limitations of their home studio you know as, as long as those samples are recorded at a high level that's yeah. fine to do it that's what I love right. about tune tracks. I mean, the stuff that they did in the original version of um, Easy Drummer that were recorded in Avatar Studio A. I don't know if you've ever worked in that room. But that, not, ever, not Avatar. Oh my no. gosh. Uh, that is... Of course I know it. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite drum room anywhere in the country. It was Very called cool. Power Station back then, but I remember the first time I heard a snare drum in that room. <laughs> right. It's like... It was like being at the altar. It's, quite, a, it's quite an experience hearing yeah. that. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Um, so, 
All right, uh, we we got stuck on initiate. Peter's standing over here against the wall now, but you uh, jump back in? Yeah, sure. uh, we we got stuck on um, initiate. Tell tell everybody what the other courses are, and then I want you to talk a little bit about um, stuff that you're thinking about doing at the rally, just so that uh, as we get closer to it, they can start thinking of oh, that's something I'd like to be involved in, or another thing. So tell me about the three other tracks here. Right. And then we'll talk about the rally. Great. So, again, um, November 7th is uh, Initiate. Um, we have, I'll, I'll take a step back, too. There's there's sort of two ways you can take these courses. Um, uh, the, 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 the series that starts on November 7th is essentially a five-day-a-week series. So you're kind of, um, I refer to it um, as a, a bit of a sabbatical. When you're here, it's a very intensive experience, and you're here for anywhere from let's say a week and a half to two weeks per course. And the members, the taxi members that came last year had no time bugging or didn't have a hard time like leaving their life and coming out here for that? Well, there were there were two categories of taxi um, attendees, right? So one was people who came for that sort of five week, you know, um, all out, very intensive experience. And that tends to really transform people. I mean, down to the way they speak and walk I know that sounds strange, but like you have a conversation with someone who's halfway through this program and just the way they talk about their 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 craft uh, and the way they hold themselves, they really change very deeply. Um, the other way of taking the course is uh, more of like a, the way a college, traditional college um, sort of pace where you're you're taking night classes twice a week and that runs, you know, 10 weeks for, for a, all four courses. Uh, or maybe on average about two and a half to three weeks for an individual course. Mm -hmm. So you can do either one. Um, the four courses, again, Initiate is uh, largely arranging um, song construction, sort of getting the foundation of how songs are built down. Um, composition. Composition, right. Um, and you know what? I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you sort of explain um, the, the four courses, but it's basically Initiate, activate stimulate and liberate so yeah sure great so um so initiate is is kind of where everything start i mean there, there's a reason why it's courses one two three and four right so so course one is where you think you would start it was with the song itself right so we do a bit of ear training in the first couple of days and now ear training is not me playing a c major and a c minor and having having everyone call it out right it's ear training on how to listen to commercially successful songs and what makes them commercially successful versus a record from 1973 Okay. Um, so we go over music theory in combination with ear training, um, and then we do arrangement as well, right? So I mean, arrangement being incredibly important. Um, you know, let's make sure we don't have any 16-bar intros out there, guys. We don't do that here. <laughs> we, we tell them not to do that too. So yeah. So obviously being critically important. Um, and then we, we teach we teach a medium in initiate because it would be irresponsible of us to teach all this composition and to not teach a way to get it out mm -hmm. right so we teach some basic logic um, and then we and then the, the final day of initiate is is composition so you're able to tie all of it together you're able to tie together the music theory and the arrangement and logic and the composition aspects and put it all down together and they um, build and stuff the at the end of the course yes. they walk out there with something they, 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 they will build they will build something that 
um, that accurately reflects what we've been talking about for the duration of the course. Um, do you see really big smiles on their faces when that happens? Like, so, well, yeah. Well, I think initially it's kind of a look of terror, <laughs> um, and, then, and then it eventually becomes a smile. It's yeah. like, why have I been doing it this way for so long when it was so easy just to do it this way? That's kind of what I hear a lot. Do you find a lot of bad habits that need to be unbroken? Absol absolutely. I find a lot. I find a lot of bad habits, and I, I find a lot of just not being aware of the fund of how powerful the fundamentals of music theory really are, hmm. and how to apply those. Um, because everybody, okay, well, great, I can make a C major scale, right? But do we know do we know how to actually apply that kind of thing to, for a commercial record? And and the bad habits are scattered about through all the courses, you know. And activate activate um, is what activate leans more engineering, right? So where, whereas um, initiate leans more songwriting and musicianship. Because we have as record producers, we have three thirds to us, right? We have a songwriting third, a musicianship third, and an engineering third. Right? So Activate hits more of that engineering third, and what it does is it, it, it teaches you to be self-sufficient in your space. Right? So we have more advanced logic in there, and we also have Pro Tools 1 and Pro Tools 2 and Pro Tools editing assignments. Um, we have you have labs. I haven't yeah. seen the whole facility. Labs, you have labs here. Um, they don't need to bring anything with them other than anything. their ears. Just their person. Okay. <laughs> and it makes it, it makes you self-sufficient, right? And then we also have a microphone state where we run through everything from a 57 to a 251, okay. and we shoot them and we shoot them all out here uh, together with our producers singing through them and talk about the characteristics of all the different kinds of microphones. And then the final day of Activate is um, Project Studios in Digital Signal Flow, which is really customizing and and, and catering and understanding the objective of your personal space and how to outfit it and how to how to um, invest your funds to, to yield maximum results and then how to troubleshoot those right? uh, that flies not in the face of it so many people think it's the gear not the ear and i've been <laughs> preaching this for years it's like dude just because somebody else you know just went out and bought this two thousand dollars that doesn't mean it's right for you right or, or that you couldn't accomplish that with a five hundred dollar right. um, virtual library if you really sat down and learned how to craft stuff with that library it's absolutely so you, you take that approach as far as it's not just you need here's a laundry list of expensive stuff you need correct as a matter of fact we break it down into into small moderate and high budget Right. Well, and, and, what are those budget ranges? <laughs> well, that depends personally, right? So okay. high budget for one person could be high, but different than high budget for another. Yeah. Right. Um, and then from there, you move into the stimulate course, where we have vocal production first and foremost. Um, and then after that, we have post vocal production, which is a very um, important aspect of record production that oftentimes gets overlooked because many people may think that once you finish the top line, the record's over. When in fact, once you finish the top line, that's when production really begins. Because, I mean, you can ask any artist or any painter, once you have the entire blank canvas in front of you, is when the real work begins. And you don't have that until you have a comp that's already sat down and comped and tuned and ready to go. So then there's a whole other set of production that happens during post-vocal production, including that comping and tuning and et cetera, but even, even rearranging instrumentation and et cetera. Um, from there we get into synthesizers, right? But in order to understand synthesizers and not, not to open up a, a soft synth and just be absolutely terrified by what you see, <laughs> you have to understand synthesis itself, right? Okay. So we, we spend the first day understanding synthesis itself and then we take three specific soft synths and we profile each one of them in depth and then we apply what we've learned to those to all a bunch of other completely unfamiliar soft synths, and we and we end up realizing, hey, this is the same thing, just a different color in a different place. And what are the three <laughs> that you use? Uh, the three synths that we use to profile to build our foundation. Yeah. We use RetroSynth, we use FM8, and we use the EXS24 in Logic. Okay. Uh, from there, we go into sound selection and how to pick the proper sounds and what, what criteria you should be looking for um, in songs for commerce and, and what things should actually sound like because. Um, you know, you could have written a fantastic kick line or a fantastic kick pattern, but the 
but the sample that you're triggering could be subpar. Okay. Right? And that turns off a lot of a lot of listeners and a lot of A&Rs. They use terminology like his or her sonics aren't right, and et cetera. That's not to say that they didn't like the line that you programmed. It's just that the sound that you're triggering is subpar. So we, te- you know, we teach how to do that. Wow. And then from there, it's remixing for the, for, to, to wrap up Stimulate. It's, a, it's an entire unit on, on remixing, and then we also get into the legalities of those kinds of things because that kind of, just kind of lends its hand. Remixing lends yeah. its hand is a great segue into the legalities of the music business, and et cetera. So we spend some time on how that. How do you get all this stuff in these courses? Because it's I mean, acute, Michael. Because we, we've we've cut out all of the fat um, that 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 others may have put in there just to kind of. I mean, I don't want to speak ill of any other institutions, but you know, we're let's put it this way. You know, we're not interested in in driving up tuition just to say we can, right? We want to get people in. We want to get them educated. And we want to get them out there and working. I mean, that that's the Westlake way to do things, and that's the professional way to do things. Right? And finally, then finally, we have liberate. Right? And liberate is understanding from a fundamental aspect. Um, effects both time-based and dynamic and how to apply them and from there we go into digital mixing and mastering and then analog signal flow because the final class that we teach for liberates analog mixing and next door one of the westlake studios so in order to have a fundamental understanding of a desk we have to have to spend a day with signal flow what percentage of the people that take that have any understanding of signal flow when they walk through the door here? Many. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can quantify that. Um, it's very low. I would say. I think. I think your more advanced ones understand that there's a microphone and there's a pre, and then it gets into the DAW somehow, and then it somehow gets to the speakers. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have a, a real kind of uh, microscopic view of actually what's happening. Uh, I want to. How are we doing on time? Yeah, we should open it up to questions in a minute. But before we do. You and I touched on this on the phone the other day, Peter. Um, my personal frustration with women, I don't know who sent the memo to women saying that technological stuff, uh, specifically tech as we know it in the studio or music creation world, um, should be daunting to women. But um, I know the guys at Recording Magazine have told me that the, the their readership is largely skewed towards males. It's funny, at the Road Rally, we have a pretty even mix of men and women, maybe 60-40, but women um, have become relegated, and I'm not sure that they relegated themselves or some, you know, just old, old thought processes that did this. Women seem to be afraid or less likely to use tech, and there's just no reason for it under the sun whatsoever. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of stuff this year at the Road Rally to really help women break through this barrier because it's a barrier that just shouldn't be there i can jump uh, in on that actually absolutely because i want one you guys address this one tax one taxi member yeah um, a female taxi member who found us at the at the rally last year uh, went all the way through all the courses wow. uh, last year and she did outstanding and it's not just because women biologically have more sensitive hearing than men right but say what <laughs> but it but she really committed herself and she was outstanding and the kind of records that she's putting out now and now she's getting paid for her productions where she wasn't before and now she's developing artists and now she's getting placements for sync wow she did, came out. does she live out of town or here in she LA? lives up north okay yeah she's she's in the bay area wow so she now, came down for the courses and, and then and then went back up I, i'd also say that um you know that was be, because of the nature of, of the business, particularly engineering and uh, probably to a large extent, um, you know, producing, it, it, it has traditionally been a male-dominated sure. industry. There's no question. And but it we, shouldn't be. Well, right. And, and unfortunately, we were, to be honest with you, we were we were really pleasantly surprised that um, we, we've had an enormous amount, uh, a really good ratio of, of females that have been, I mean, I haven't done the math, but it's... 
35%? Wow. Female. Which is much higher than an engineering institution. Which is, yeah. which is higher than... about 8%. We, yeah. 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 So it's really... We're, we're very encouraged by that. Yeah. Um, and it's great. It's great to see that. And, and I think, um, you know, we'd like to see more of that. I think it's a very, um, you know, it's a very... It, it, these courses have been designed so that um, there it, there's a lot that you're learning, but it's also um, accessible um, and... You know, I think gender absolutely doesn't make any difference at all. No. There's no logical reason that gender makes any difference. And, you know, there, there have been so many um, high-level engineers, mixers, and mastering people that are, in fact, women. I think other women aren't aware of these people and maybe not inspired to become like them. Mm -hmm. But whatever... Well, look no further than Linda Perry. Yeah. Obviously. yeah. I mean, like, if you want a role um, model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just... You know, every year at the road rally, I kind of go into it personally with a little theme. Like, my hmm. little goal for this year's rally is X or Y. This year, my goal uh, is to get more women over that hump because I don't know who sent the memo, but it's a wrong memo, and I think that women absolutely need... When somebody says to me, I haven't been able to lay my stuff down because my boyfriend and I broke up, that's upsetting. Um, they shouldn't have to pay a guy... It, to do that for him, so I'm glad to hear that you guys address that. And I want to address it big time at the rally. I think I think another sort of tweak on that is is also that um, for whatever reason, um, maybe it's a little more common that uh, with 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 females that come through here, they're used to thinking of themselves as primarily either an artist, mm -hmm. they wear that hat and that's the hat that they sort of identify with the most, or they're primarily a writer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and either of those are, are, are great and they don't they haven't quite ever gotten comfortable putting on the producer hat even to the extent of just getting a little bit of facility on a computer it I don't know why that is like you said there's no particular reason yeah, rationally look at graphic designers I think there might even be more female graphic designers which you know is kind of a similar skill set or a similar similar level of adeptness on, on a computer yeah so, so I think um, we're still on the air. Good. Yeah. I always no. Get, I was looking at the comments. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get scared to death when I see red lights, but our bandwidth has been really good today. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, finish that thought. Like, yeah, I just you know we we've I've really enjoyed. Uh, I can think of half a dozen instances where you had people that came in and really saw themselves as well. I'm a writer and an artist, but I always have to reach for that person to yeah. produce my stuff. I, I I just I'm not there yet, and when they they see and actually record a few projects here and they, and they and they hear it back and they go oh I, I can do that it's more of a mind shift than anything else it's really just understanding that it's well within your grasp mm -hmm. so um yeah i just great well i'm glad we're on the same page about that let's let's take some questions um Let's see, different moon scales create different. Oh, they're, they're off just chatting. Uh, so if you guys have questions, we've got <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> we've got 20 minutes Comments. with these gents. Um, How much are the courses? $1,300 a course. So individual courses are $1,300. Um, that includes access to, you have 10 lab stations that we have available, and we have a full student studio, which you can kind of see behind us. Mm -hmm. um, and all of that's included. So it's a really big deal to to know that when you come here to study, you don't need anything. As, right. as Doug said, you don't need a laptop necessarily, you don't need a pad of paper. 
um, everything that we're teaching you. Um, we're sending you notes after class, immediately after class, and that's we an, have everything here ready to go. So That's an important thing, um, and, and Michael, when you were asking how in the world do you get through all that material, it's because of the, it's because of the method that the way that the material is being delivered. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that memorization is not learning. Mm -hmm. um, furiously copying down a PowerPoint to try and keep up is not learning. So what I encourage our producers that are attend our courses here to do is to write things down, but to write down questions and ideas and comments and concerns and et cetera, because at the end of the lecture each day, I deliver them the PowerPoint. And I, deliver, I also deliver them um, any, any other related materials and files that may apply to what we were discussing today. Then they go in the lab, they pull up the PowerPoint, and they have all of it there, and then they perform their task after I demonstrated everything for them, and they have the, and they have the PowerPoint there, and then the, they perform their And they assignment. can take it home and use the PowerPoint. Of course. Yeah, well, they, have okay. it, they have it in perpetuity, to use so, the music lingo. Yes. <laughs> um, do you hear back from people, you know, six months, a year, two years later, like, do they stick with it, or is it something yes, they go home really jazzed about, and yes. then you know, like life gets in the way, people stick with it? Well, what I can what I can say is, is the ones that don't let life get in the way are the ones that end up being successful, and of course, that doesn't just apply to this school; that applies to any production, yeah. right? Um, that being said, we love being able to hear the A/B comparisons and 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 our producers that the sentence things, "Hey, this is what I did before, and this is what I did after. Thank you guys so much. We love it." And then we sit around, we pass it around internally, email like, "Hey, did you hear what so and so did? Look at how far so and so." come and you know it's really really rewarding for us and, and we love that kind of thing great um, questions let's see a question what kind of accommodations oh that's a good question uh, for out-of-towners so we don't have housing here uh, but we do find that uh, a lot of people do come from outside LA whether that's San Francisco Orange County it could be Argentina Canada the UK yeah. we have a lot of people that come from outside um, most of the time it ends up being something where they'll find an Airbnb um, in the area. Some people have friends or family that they can stay with. Um, but outside of that, it's usually just an Airbnb. And in, again, an individual course is going to be anywhere from a week and a half, two weeks to maybe three weeks on, on, the, on the long end. So um, it just sort of depends on um, your scenario and, and how how you're most comfortable? Sure, and we we've also um, you know we've worked with a few of those Airbnbs now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so you know uh, Pete and our admissions department have a little bit of an index where they can kind of guide you if you're having trouble finding an Airbnb or maybe one that's been that, that that you know has been good or hasn't had some, one of our producers hasn't had a good experience. You know, they've been able to identify those as well, so we can certainly point in the right direction. One mm -hmm. of our viewers just had one of the most intelligent questions I've heard in quite some time. Is Vicky Flawith? Uh, I know Vicky well, and she's she's great. Her question was, when you're writing songs, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but when you're writing songs for radio, you're trying to get buy-in and investment from the listener versus um, doing stuff for film and TV. Oftentimes, you don't want it to be something that Great attracts you know, a listener to the song because they're supposed to be involved in the story and, and the action. And So how do you teach the difference between those? the balance of now we're talking about teaching you to craft a, a song for radio and records mm -hmm. versus teaching you how to craft let's say a two-minute instrumental piece that's just wallpaper that creates well movie. i can tell you that our our curriculum specifically focus on record production okay. and songwriting so they're so we're not teaching necessarily how to construct 
something for sync, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you can't take some of the same principles and move them and move them, apply them to sync. But our curriculum specifically focused on records and record production. You know, just like Westlake. You know, again, it's in the same vein as Westlake. So, Vicky, thank you for the question. That's a great question, and we focus specifically on records here, as opposed to branching out and and trying to you know try and teach sync at the same time and in the process kind of convoluting everything. We like to keep it kind of nice and clean and tight and talk about records. All right, another question, guys. Great question, though. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely true. Uh, come on, question. Where are you? All right. Well, we'll uh, just stare into the camera. Yeah, I'm sure. You guys it, don't yeah, he knows questions. we're leaning against the the laptops <laughs> a little farther away than normally. Um, okay, so while we're waiting for a question from online them, course, somebody just asked about teaching on Skype. Yeah. Um, so the short answer to that is, again, um, if you, if you think about the spirit of where these courses come from, it's really uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a way of us being able to kind of present um, what makes top records at Westlake sort of behave the way they do and how to recreate that. Um, it's it's you are learning a lot, um, and the question was asked a bit earlier. You know, how is it you're able to get through this much material of this caliber? Uh, so quickly, it's because you're here, um, and it's because there's a lot of, um, you know, interaction in class. You're here on the equipment, you're learning, and we're here helping you piece by piece and step by step. So, um, for the time being, that's kind of our model, and it's mm-hmm. something we're very uh, hands-on in terms of helping you to learn these things very quickly. So that's been um, what we've decided to focus on for the time being. Uh, I get that question about the rally. Why don't you use strain the whole rally? Because you know what? Being there is 10 times better. Oh, yeah. Uh, Being able to meet collaborators or meet an industry person, there's so much that just can't get taught with a camera in somebody's face. And also the the people that you meet here. I mean, remember that in an individual course, you know, we we limit our our, 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 the size of our classes to 8 to 10. Um, So it's we really try and keep that, um, you know, tight, and so that people can get to know each other. And then, in addition to that, you might have two or three courses running at a given moment. Mm-hmm. So you're able to meet, let's say, up to 30 people um, who are all very committed to their craft, who are doing good things with their their music, and are very professionally driven. That's a really good um, set of people to be able to connect with and, and collaborate with. So it's um, Goes back to what Doug and I were talking about yeah, before. Yeah, a lot you know, of the, the early stages of our career, just being able to wander into somebody else's control room and go, "How did you get that guitar sound?" Yep. The, that interaction. That was a lot of them actually that came by. I was watching. Of course, talking. they, just they, they always come by. When somebody I, had a question about the generalized term of records. Okay. Yeah. By the way, yeah. um, records meaning songs. That's kind of again a generalized term that came from vinyl, but we still kind of use it in the professional environment to refer to our songs. Um, there was also somebody that asked about, oh, can, can the techniques being applied to a small home studio without an investment in the latest bells and whistles? Of course it can, right? Yeah. Now, the more, the, the better your approach to purchasing your equipment and your bells and whistles, per se, right, um, the more structured and the more modern the records can become. Um, but being able to cut an outstanding demo of an acoustic guitar and a vocal or a piano and vocal, I mean, you don't need bells and whistles for that. All you need really is piano and blue by Cine Samples, which we have on all of our rigs here, which is the best piano sound that we have uh, available on the market today, and your mic and your interface. Um, from there, you can start selling your demos, and then 
you know, it's it's common in our industry for you know veteran artists and producers to to pluck demos and to basically buy them and, and deconstruct right. them and turn them into their own thing. And then of course we get points on the back end, or we get a lump sum, or etc. Um, that's something something that can certainly be done regardless of if you have bells and whistles or not. Um, I also saw one about I saw a few more here. So I see two that have to uh, have to do with the classes. I can answer real quick. There seems to be a bit of lag time for a two or three week course. Is that because of Westlake or the student makes sense? So there's there's possibly two things that you're referring to. One is we do um, the, the, the actual five classes that are involved in a particular course are three hour classes that happen five times. Uh, but we give you time after that uh, to be able to stay longer and, and practice and finish up all your assignments and, and get that additional feedback. So sometimes, uh, let's say, act, you know, a, a particular course initiate runs towards a certain date, but activate may start prior to that, right? Um, so and that just has the overlap has to do with the fact that we want you to be able to stay late um, after the course, uh, maybe a week more, and just be able to practice. So um, it has to do with uh, just some extra time that we give you to, to work in the lab. Um, the other question I saw was, um, what, time, oh. what time are the classes, essentially? So uh, we have night classes that go from 7 to 10 p.m. Uh, those are going to be twice a week. So usually it's like a Monday night and a Wednesday night, or a Tuesday night and a Thursday night. Um, and then the um, five-day-a-week schedule is 3 to 6 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, somebody asked a really, really smart question. I'm always telling these guys that you need to not write for today, but write six months or a oh, year or correct. a year and a half out because whatever right. you're hearing on the radio today, a hit that's breaking today started its process a year and a half ago. Yep. So do you guys address that issue, how to write ahead of the curve good question so <clears throat> what, I, what I can answer it's a great question by the way and that's what I was pointing to I was like we gotta do yeah. that one right um, so you know it is about writing but it's more about production for six months or a year because great songs hold the test of time and when I talk about great songs, I mean unisex songs, I mean gender, gender, neutral, gender neutral songs, and I mean songs that have subject matter that people can identify with, whether it be a song about loss, whether it be a song about celebration, whether it be a song about battling your demons or whatever it may be. As long as you hit those criteria, the song itself can withstand the test of time, but it's about producing into what's going to be coming next. And I'll give you an example. The last two number ones before the Chainsmokers record this week were um, one one dance and um, cheap thrills. Mm -hmm. and both of those had a little bit of that down tempo dance hall kind of feel to it, right? So obviously that could be a trend really quick if, there, if a couple more of those records um, would have would have had kind of that feel to it because yeah. the market's asking for it right now, um, and maybe there's not enough of it. For example, I bet Britney, which is she would have had one of those on her record that just came out, right? Because because it had because it went one two back to back. So you know there, there's certainly a bit of forecasting that goes into into it, but ultimately you can look in your crystal ball all you want, but you can never actually 100% be certain that this is what it's going to be six months from now. You can give it your best guess and you can produce it into whichever direction you feel that it's going to be, but ultimately there's going to be just that little bit of air air of uncertainty because we work in an art centric industry and you know it's very hard to to predict what kind of art is going to be catching people's eye or ear for, in our case um, six months to a year, two year from now. 
Um, I've got to scroll down because I'm getting lost now, but uh, somebody asked the question, if you've already got some basic familiar, maybe intermediate familiarity with DAWs, do you need to start at the beginning or can you jump into one of, more, one of the more advanced courses? You can certainly jump into any, in, any one of those, especially if you have um, kind, of, kind of a more fundamental understanding of the DAWs. Um, now, that's not to say that you may not benefit from learning you know, the, the way that we do it next door. Uh, at Westlake and, and the way that we, oper we operate the DAWs because ultimately guys you have to remember that DAWs are built and meant to be operated like a console mm -hmm. and it's challenging to learn how to op operate a DAW the correct way if you've never operated a console so there's a lot of kind of bad information about out there about um you know about the approach to the DAW you know the, the biggest offender as Michael and I were speaking about would probably be the time-based effects directly on the track <laughs> that you desire that's probably the number one offender and one of the big reasons why all your Pro Tools and Logic sessions crash is because we have we're stacked up with time-based effects on each one as opposed to as opposed to using sends and buses and a solo safe stereo ox which is the route that, that we like to go because that's how consoles were designed and that's how the DAWs were designed to reflect them yep uh, is is there a five-week intensive, and if so, what's the difference between that and the four courses? Right. So the five-week intensive, for example, we have a series that starts November 7th and goes through, I think, mid-December. So that's the 14th. next one. Mm -hmm. 14th, December 14th. So, um, yes, and that would be our next one. Um, and, you know, again, you're welcome to reach out to us on our on our website, which is createmusicacademy.com. Um, tell them how create is spelled. Create is C-R-E-8, Music Academy. Um, one of the reasons, again, I know uh, maybe uh, you know a moment ago when I said I, I tend to spend three to four hours with someone that's really seriously looking at this. Um, those are the kinds of questions that I'm happy to field myself or Mariana, who is our uh, admissions coordinator. Um, you know, we can give you an idea of, you know, based on how much familiar, familiarity you have with certain DAWs, which courses make sense to you, what you've already accomplished and what you already know. You may not necessarily uh, need all four. Uh, it just kind of depends on your scenario. So all those kinds of things we're happy to um, answer, whether it's a scheduling kind of question or um, something in terms of the content. You know, don't feel like uh, if you don't get your question answered today that uh, we're, we're, we're happy to, um, you know, take any questions through our website. Um, I'll, I'll leave my, my email since I'm probably the one that um, is, is the most familiar with the, the sort of questions that come up in the initial stages if you're looking at any of these courses. Um, again, my name is Peter and my address is peter at createmusicacademy.com. Again, C-R-E-8. Music Academy. You guys are welcome to hit me up there. And if you can't get an Airbnb and crash at Pete's place. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to uh, or so sleep in the studio like I used to all the time. Yeah. <laughs> studio couches. Love them. Um, is hip-hop, somebody asked, is hip-hop still the number one genre? Well, I mean, I don't have to answer that question. Just go to the Billboard Hot 100 and look at the top ten. And that will continually answer your question forever, regardless of if you want to know what the number one subgenre, what the foremost subgenre of popular music is, just go to the chart and take a look. Uh, good mastering tip? <sighs> loud, but loud doesn't mean good. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite uh, mastering suite that you use, mastering software suite that you uh, recommended during the courses? No, actually, I teach to do things individually rather than using one or two plugins that are necessarily 
all-encompassing. Right. Um, you know, I actually like to teach individual compression EQ, multiband, and limiting um, individually rather than kind of doing an entire suite kind of deal. So, you know, doing it that way gives you a fundamental understanding of what's happening at exactly each stage of mastering. It's hard to teach. Mastering, yeah. people think that that's, you know, software you can open up on a Friday night and by Sunday you've got right. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and even what could be, yeah, well, you know, it doesn't help that these auto mastering companies yeah. are starting to come out and everything. So, you know, it's it, mastering, mastering is not the dark art of audio, guys. If there's a dark art of audio, it's acoustics. It's certainly not mastering. Mastering, is, we, mastering, we don't use any different tools than you would use them during a mix. It's just that we use them a little differently. Yeah. Right? It's the same tools and the same, and the same skill set that we use. We just kind of apply them a little differently. It's about teaching your ear to sure. find what's missing and then using the tool. Absolutely. But I, I remember um, back when things used to be cut on lacquer, um, the mastering engineers were always, you know, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. All, all the other guys thought that the mastering engineers had something that mm -hmm. they didn't. No. Well, going back, going back to lacquer, I mean, and, and back to records for commerce. That's where mastering came from. Mastering was invented to prevent the needle skipping on records. Right. right? Jumping out of the groove. Jump, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, once people discovered that records that are mastered with EQ and compression sold more, then it becomes started to become a wide, widespread trend. Hey, I want my record mastered because it sells more, sells more, sells more. And again, that's what we reflect here. We reflect records for commerce. I, I love the fact. I'm telling you, I'm going to use the phrase holistic again. <laughs> Peter said to me, oh, we should use product. Um, professional production, but it, it, the fact that you're not just teaching the skills, you're teaching the skills for a reason. Yeah. You're answering the why. Why do I need these skills? Because you want to earn a living doing what you love. Right. If you understand the That's why, the that resonates. Yeah. yeah. If you yeah. understand the why, it makes the learning so much easier because you've got purpose. Right. Absolutely. You know, the, the goal is not to have to, you know, write songs for taxi part time and then work at the restaurant for part time. Or work at another job part time to, until you can get you know until you can make ends meet. You know our, our goal is to expedite that process for you so that you can make a living on your records. All right, I'm gonna take one more question because we've got two minutes left here. Uh, looking for a question. Oh, you guys are all chatting. Come on, somebody give me a question. So I'm mixing with headphones. Mixing with headphones, yeah, less than desirable, but there is um. A piece of software for headphone calibration that just came out. I haven't tried it yet. I think it's Sonar Works. I would, I would check that out. I haven't looked at can, it yet. But. Can you all expand on the concept of the ear training you're talking about? Sure, I can expand on a little bit more. So um, we do two. We do two. Basically, two hours of, of, of intensive kind of ear training, and the first kind, of the, the first half of it, like I said previously, is um, ear training in the sense of understanding. What what techniques are different and why they're different than they were in the 70s versus in 2016, and why, right? So why the arrangement is in such a way? Why the lead vocal is always mixed so loud? Why there doesn't necessarily have to be a ton of instrumentation? Um, you know, what are the characteristics of the sounds that are being selected? Why what kinds of details on the effects and et cetera, et cetera? What what you know what register is the melody in in the verse, the B section, and the hook? You know, et cetera. Like we we examine old records versus new records and say this is the way that new records are functioning and this is why they're functioning that way. Right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of like the first round, the, the first round of ear training, um, and the second round is about the song, which we were we were speaking about before, and it's about the song again being that organic nerve center of the entire production and being able to write outstanding content and things that people can identify with. Because ultimately, guys, people want to be able to identify with the records. If they can identify with the records, they're going to support you either with their attention or the wallet or both. And if they can identify with your records and the things that you're talking about in the actual songs themselves, regardless of what subgenre they're produced into, you're going to have their attention. 
So the second kind of half of ear training is, is really developing a sense of why this was successful and listening to a final product versus a famous demo of it and, and, and seeing whether where it came from and, and, and why it went that way. The next time you teach that, can I please audit those? Yeah, <laughs> of course I, you're welcome I, to it. I, I want to do it. It's coming so up in our uh, end of September. I want to do it so that I can write an article in our newsletter about it because sure. ear training is really hard to explain to people. Um, and what you just said totally made sense to me. So I want to be able to write about that and tell them what you taught in those two hours. That's great. Awesome. We'd cool. love to have you. Yeah, we'd love yeah. it. Um, all right. I think we need to wrap it up. We do. It's time. But thank you all for watching today's show. Thank you very and, much, guys. Doug, thank you thank for you, stopping Absolutely. by, Peter. Thank you for inviting me down My here. Pleasure. And, My pleasure. Uh, we will see you guys in just slightly over two months. Yeah, yep. don't miss We're the excited. taxi. Don't miss the road rally. Don't do it. If you're thinking about it, you got to be there. So many we'll people there. go, oh, I want to go, but I just can't get the money together. I can't find the time. It's like they don't realize what they're missing. And it, we're going to have a booth there. Um, we're happy to review your music as well and give you a little bit more of a direct um, sort of conversation. We're going to have three seminars. Doug's yep. going to be doing a few presentations. Seminars. Yeah, guys, so, so come, come check it out. I'm going to be giving a few presentations at the rally, and I'll be happy to meet all you guys in person. All right. See, see you, you guys soon. next week for another exciting episode <laughs> of Taxi <laughs> TV Live. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Ooh, actual clapping. I don't think I've ever had that. <laughs> Bye, you guys.